I'm doing well, Brady. How you been, man? I've been very, very well. Appreciate you joining us. As a seasoned hard sports news reporter, how grateful are you that no Patriots players are dating Taylor Swift this week? <laughs> you know, I, I've been through that. I, I, this is my 19th season covering the Patriots, so I, I was on the Bridget Moynihan beat. I was on the Giselle Bunchen beat. <laughs> True. You know, I, I, I got a little taste of that, but it, it's never. I don't think we've we've ever approached Taylor <laughs> Swift, you know, status. So yeah, I, I'm happy to let my colleagues in Kansas City handle this. Uh, let's talk about the Pats who are one and two. But before we get to some of the more uh, pressing on-field stuff, what do you make of the Mac Jones and Sauce Gardner thing? I defended Mac a couple of years ago with the Brian Burns ankle twisting in Carolina. I'm not really defending this. I do think Mac did something to Sauce Gardner. I do look down upon Mac for it. What, what do you see? Yeah, I, I, well, I think, first of all, it's tough to, you know, unless you're going all the Pruder film on it, I, I think it's tough to see anything definitive there. And so we kind of have to take Sauce Gardner's word for it, and we have to take Mac Jones's word for it, and maybe, you know, one or two of the guys who are on the field. I, I think it's become, because it is Patriots-Jets, I think it's been a little bit overblown. But I, I do think there is a little something to the idea that Mac may be losing the benefit of the doubt when it comes to situations like this, because if you have one, this is an isolated incident, like the Brian Burns thing, you know, you can kind of push it away. But, you know, there, there, there have been multiple things now over the last couple of years. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, Mac deserves to be suspended or anything like that. But when it comes to incidents like this, there, you know, there, there's a developing pattern. And, and I think it's something that he needs to be mindful of in the eyes of, you know, the league as well as other players around the league. I saw a couple of players tweeting about it and kind of, you know, chiming in on, on on their thoughts about the situation. So I think ultimately I, I'm not a huge fan of it, and I think it's something that Mac needs to kind of keep an eye on moving forward when it comes to behavior like this. But as far as an isolated incident, I, I don't really think too much of it. You know, we have this stuff that's on-field reputation. Off the field, we saw the way Mac was last year, demonstrative on the sideline, demonstrative towards coaches. Now we got last week after Miami. Was he or was he not calling out his teammates for not working hard enough? Just overall, what is your impression of Mac and kind of the way he is, his demeanor, as he tries to, to really grow into a leadership position? I think he's continuing to grow into that leadership position. And, and I think that, you know, I'll, I'll give him until the end of this year, really, when it comes to his overall evolution. One of the smartest guys I ever covered, Anthony Pleasant, a long, long time ago, said, you are who you are when you reach, you know, the end of your third year in the league. You know, you're fully formed, you're fully developed. You know, you're going to be a star, a complimentary player, uh, you know, a practice squad guy, what, whatever the case may be. So I, I think when you look at it through that lens, you're looking at a guy who is continuing to evolve both on the field in his play and, you know, as a leader and kind of everything that goes along with the game. So I think he's moving in the right direction. I know the guys in the locker room like him, trust him, want him to be the quarterback. And I think really that's all you can ask for at the end of the day. But he's at the very least, I mean, you know, Sunday's incident aside, I, I think he's trending in the right direction, and I think he's getting to where he needs to be. He's not there yet, but it's, he's still kind of a work in progress in that regard. You know, I always try to ask my questions short and succinctly. This one I might have to talk myself through so I make sure I ask it right. But I was listening to Burt Breer the other day on NBC Sports Boston, and he was talking about Mac and Mac's desire to have people work hard. And he said, you know, this is what Mac did at Alabama, and he could call guys together, and they would all work hard. They'd all work extra. And I think to myself, that's great. That's what Mac is accustomed to. I can understand the sentiment. 
But that's also college, where guys have time to be outside of school, more dedicated to just football. This is the pros, where guys have charity work, and guys have family life, and guys have things they have to get home to. You have been around the pros much longer than I have. What is the professional level of really hard work and dedication? Because it's probably not logical for everybody to be in there 24 hours a day like Mac wants. Yeah, and, and I think that's a good point. And, and I think you, you also you know, hit on a really good point. There's a differentiation between college and pro. And I guess for me, ultimately, it comes down to the fact that this is a business now. And if you want to flourish in your business, I don't care if you're a football player or a sports writer or a banker or whatever the case may be, you have to put some extra time in. You, know, you have to go above and beyond sometimes. And I, and I think that that's what we see in this locker room. Look, this is my experience. This is a good locker room. And I think that there are guys who want to succeed and want to work hard within the, the, the framework of the team, uh, whether it's offense, defense, or special teams. And I think with guys like Bentley, guys like Slater, guys who've been around for an awfully long time, guys like Joe Cardona, you know, they, they recognize the value of sacrifice when it comes to the football season. I'm not talking about, you know, showing up to work out and, I don't know, April or whatever the case may be, or OTAs, but but the value of the in-season work. And I think this roster recognizes that. I think that there's always going to be, look, you're never going to get all 53, what are you, 63 guys, including the practice squad, on the same page all the time. There's always going to be off-field things that you have to deal with. You know, we talked to Devin Godchild this a couple of days you know, last week because the fiance gave birth to a baby. But I think overall, this team is committed. This roster is committed. You know, it doesn't always show up in execution. It doesn't always show up with wins and losses. But I think this roster is closer to a group that is really fully bought in as opposed to going in, you know, 53 different directions. We're talking with Chris Price here at the Patriots Report podcast on the Believe Podcast Network alongside Chris Hogan. He's here with us on the Brady Farkas show. You know, Ramondre Stevenson hasn't really gotten going yet. And I think this is the guy who people point to as the Patriots' best and most valuable offensive player. I think first two weeks, you can blame it on the fact, okay, they're down. They're not able to run it that much. They're trying to throw it all the time, the offensive line. But week three, Zeke really ran it well, five yards a carry. Ramondre Stevenson's not there yet. What are you seeing out of Ramondre Stevenson? Because this is a guy they do need to get going. Yeah, that's a great point, too. And look, I wrote it a couple of times before the start of the season. Bill Belichick has never had a guy rush for 1,000 yards in back-to-back seasons, going mm. all the way back to Cleveland. And Ramondre... Wow. Obviously, he hit the 1,000-yard mark last year, but look, you know, if he keeps on this base, he's not going to do it. You know, the streak is still going to be alive. So I, I, he doesn't, to me, I, I think there's a couple of things at play here, Brady, and I'm glad you mentioned the situational football aspect of it, the first two games. You're down by double digits in the third and fourth quarter. You're not really going to run the ball. That's why Mac had to throw the ball 50-plus times. Uh, and I think that figures into it. I think the offensive line figures into it as well. You know, the offensive line is banged up and healthy. They're, they're not where they want to be at least physically. I, I also, too, I, I went and looked at the yards after contact numbers for him, and they're down a little bit. You know, this is a guy, a big, sturdy guy. You know, Ramondre is, is a between-the-tackles type who can really get those tough yards, and he hasn't been able to do it this year, you know, even at the started games. And so, I, I don't know, maybe the illness that he had the first week, that kind of set him back a little bit more than he initially anticipated. But, yeah, I, I think that, that he's been inconsistent. I think he's been uneven through the first three games. And when he's running right, he's one of the best young backs in the league. But we haven't seen him at full you know, full strength quite yet for a number of reasons. And, and I think he's one of those guys 
You look at the offense, and there's a couple of guys like him and Juju who I still think need to get unlocked if this offense is going to, you know, really get rolled in here as, as October approaches. I was going to ask you about Juju. He's a guy who's making the same money as Jacoby Myers is making in Vegas, although I think there's some different structures and guarantees, et cetera, but the base contract looks the same. I would have rather had Jacoby Myers. They do need to get Juju going. How do they do that? Because he's not even on the field as much as I would have expected so far, Chris. Yeah, I think the knee has been more of an issue than they maybe initially anticipated. I also think, too, and this is part of the case with Ramondre, Bill loves to ride the hot hand whoever that may be in that moment. And look, we've seen it over the years with the running back position where we'll see guys get five carries for nine yards one week and 15 carries for 95 yards the next week. And so it's just a matter of who is doing well, who has the momentum moving forward. And I think that's part of it with Juju. Look, you know, to their credit, to his credit specifically, Juju has said all of the right things. He's completely bought in. I think he enjoys playing here. I, you know, you see him in the locker room with Bourne and Devontae Parker and Mack, and he's part of the roster. He's done well to kind of assimilate to the New England philosophy and the New England approach to things. It just hasn't come together for him for whatever reason to this point in his, his, his career in New England. You know, count me in the soft millennial group if you have to, but – if I were Pop Douglas, I would now be playing scared and playing fearful, and that's not a real way for at least Brady Farkas to play and succeed. He gets shelved in week two for the fumble against Miami. He gets taken out after kind of the cumbersome punt uh, fair catch on, uh, on, on Sunday against the Jets. Now he's been, been shelved twice for things. I'd be playing very, very scared. Is, I don't know how he's wired, but I didn't love what Belichick has done to this kid so far. I don't think he's played scared. I, I had a chance to talk with him real briefly after the game on Sunday, and there was a level of relief, maybe, that he was able to go back out there. He was able to make a catch. And look, honestly, that you know, there was a he should have you know been able to get the flag on a pass interference call there late in the game too. And, and so I think it's a process of baby steps back for him, and I think he's done well so far. But look, you know, it, it was a rough day. It was a rough day weather-wise, and, and, you know, you're, you're going to have those days. I think it was big for him to be able to get back on the field on a day where ball security could have been an issue because of the element, and to be able to have a clean sheet across the board. There were, there were no giveaways. You know, ball security for him was not an issue on Sunday. It was funny. I talked to him afterward. He was, that was one of the first things he said. was working on ball security all week, and that was really, really important. So he's, he's self-aware enough to understand what's going on, and, and I think he's had it. At least I think, you know, knowing him the little that I do, I think he's headed in the right direction. Chris, I'll get you out of here on this. Dallas is, you know, the Patriots are going to Dallas in week four. Dallas took it on the chin against Arizona. How do I, how do I view this now? Dallas is weak and vulnerable and there's things there the Patriots can exploit or Dallas is, has been given the wake-up call and they're extra locked in and the Patriots are catching them at a bad time? A little bit more the former than the latter, I, I will say that. And I think this is a Dallas team that it was a, a little bit thrown off its axis uh, after what happened to Diggs. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, the, the Cardinals team, I think, has been you know, really surprised a lot of people over the first three weeks. So I think maybe they you know, they were looking past the Cardinals a little bit. I think New England's going to be competitive with them. I, I also think, too, it's important to note that this is going to be the first game for New England that's not really a weather game. You know, they're going to be indoors. There's not going to be a problem with rain or whatever the case may be. I, I think they're going to play pretty well. I don't know if I would go as far to predict the New England win, but I think this game has the potential to be really competitive, and the, the Patriots have a chance to get to 2-2. Two and two. 
Well, we can all hope for that. That's for sure. 500 would be a whole hell of a lot better than one in three. Chris Price is going to be breaking it down all week long over at the Believe Podcast Network with the Patriot Report alongside Chris Hogan. Chris, man, we appreciate you, and we will catch up down the road. Love it. Take care, bud. We'll talk soon.